ah, I don't even know how, how you go and be a guidance counselor. Because how, how do you sit down with a kid and go, you could be anything you want to be. Um, well, Miss Taylor, you couldn't. Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 220. This week, we have Jessica's Week in Court. Southern Baptists think they're the Catholic Church, and we unpack the primary. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, Writer, journalist, owner of the Georgia Virtue, and dog mom, Jessica Salaji. Hey, Dave. Happy post-election week. Oh, man. I, just, I wish it was over. It's never over. I know it's never over. We're in a perpetual cycle for this crap. Yeah, we never get a break. But we'll certainly get into unpacking that. But yeah, it's, elections used to be six months. Like you know, you didn't hear anything about even the presidential election till till the the, the primaries were coming, and that and that was it. Now they're already discussing twenty twenty four, and we're not even done with twenty twenty two. Oh, just good God! Well, the positive, and I mean, I know we're not going to start our election talk yet, but the positive is at least it was over. Like we knew most of the results fairly early. Um, well, I, actually, I I don't even. Play the little rewinding noise because I want to pretend like I didn't say that. Just we'll come back to it because that's not. It's, <laughs> it, it's never just one comment. It's never just like, hey, let me just throw this in. It's. Anyway. It's never just one comment. I know you're a woman. Oh, oh, oh wow! <laughs> Freaking hilarious. <laughs> I am. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, Jessica, tell us about your week. Oh well, I was in a trial. Um, I guess it was Wednesday through Friday. It was only supposed to be two days, but um, this was the first time that they didn't schedule enough days. Um, but basically what it was was a 2016 case where a 23-year-old guy, um, his parents and grandparents had been trying to have him committed involuntarily because... Um, well, they listed drug dependency on the paperwork um, that he was mentally incompetent due to drug dependency. And it would later come out that it was spice, but they had been trying to get him committed because he was just showing behavior that was not in his right mind. And um, so the, this was in Effingham County. So Effingham County Sheriff's office on, on the 17th of March tried to serve this 1013 order um, guy wasn't there and his family this was like... This is the March of 2015 or 16? 16. 16, yes. So they tried to serve it. Um, no luck. Guy wasn't around. So they went back the next day when they saw his car there. Um, and the family had called again asking for help. So it's. I think it's really important in these cases to remember, like, or to, to focus on the fact that um, somebody that you care about is the one who went to the court to have you involuntarily committed, right? Because that's such a fine line and you you don't, like, I don't advocate for those being used recklessly. And, and so as the story goes on, it's going to be important to remember that his family, um, they're the ones that started this process. So anyway, they go back the following day. Um, the family had kind of articulated that they didn't think he was going to go willingly. So they took um, four deputies and they had just kind of centered themselves around each side of the house. And the deputy um, who was actually a sergeant who he knocked on the door on the front door and the door swung open. And within a matter of seconds, he started stabbing the deputy um, violently attacking him. And this deputy is six I think they said he's six eight and was three hundred pounds, and this guy was five seven hundred and forty five pounds at the time, and he was stabbing him so hard that um, it went through his Kevlar vest. He stabbed him in the head and the neck, all these things. Um, it took three deputies to get the guy off of, or you know, just to, to get him under control. It took um, 
handcuffs, two pairs of handcuffs on his hands and shackles, and they were sitting on him. Um, they ended up lifelighting the deputy to Savannah. Thankfully, he survived. Um, but it, I don't think it, I mean, just by the testimony and the, the calls and the pictures that we saw, I don't think that was for certain. Um, but anyway, they took the guy to the hospital. He was lucid and coherent in the sense that, um, you know, he had he admitted to the GBI. The GBI was called in, interestingly, because of the use of force. Like the sheriff's office called in because they they tased the guy. I forgot that when um, when they were trying to handcuff him, he was resisting so much that they tased him twice. So the sheriff called in the GBI. So the GBI shows up to um, conduct a use of force investigation and. By the guy's own admission, you know, he attacked the, the deputy and um, it turns into this ag assault case because the guy is recorded on audio saying that he smoked spice and he didn't, he spoke marijuana, at least with spice, and he admitted to everything. And so they totally shift the course of the investigation. Well, um, they charged him with a host of things, you know, everything from attempted murder to aggravated assault. Um, and then obviously possessing a knife and, and trying to take the officer's weapons because he did try to take two different deputies' guns. So, I mean, there was a lot that happened. And then this, he enters a plea of not guilty um, after he's indicted. Um, and then he gets a new attorney after about a year and a half and changes his plea to not guilty by reason of insanity. And this is, again, a year and a half after, after he's admitted everything, um, there were all kinds of trial delays, like, you know, the Ralston effect, and um, then, of course, COVID. And so, finally, this week, after six years, they put him on the stand. And what was miraculously different about this case than all the others that I've covered is that there was no question about whether or not he did it. Right. Like, obviously, he did. He admitted to it. But the entire argument was whether or not he was sane at the time that he did. Um, if he was so jurors had to weigh, was he sane? Was he not? Was he if he was not sane? Was it because he has a mental illness or because he took substances that caused that? And does that make him criminally responsible? And um you know, we've all seen cases where we we hear about insanity and, and mental illness, and they're two different things. Don't get me wrong. They're, I mean, legally, they are two different things. But um, it really challenged my perspective on whether or not a jury is capable of deciding if somebody is insane. And in this case, they decided very quickly that this guy was not um, insane. He was guilty and criminally responsible for all 12 acts. They found him guilty in a very quick time. But my question, like the reason I put on the outline is because, I mean, we talk about insanity, but usually when it's something like these, um, it's rare that a jury is charged with finding someone insane. Like usually there's an insanity element and then we see a plea and the judge accepts it. And then we kind of like move on and we just accept that the person was out of their mind. Um, but knowing that like what jurors did in the Ashlyn Griffin case, it, I think it's kind of terrifying that we give them the ability to decide if somebody is mentally ill or um, insane. <clears throat> yeah, but who would you rather decide that? I don't know. I'm just like, okay, so for example, in this case, you know, we had two, um, we had a court appointed evaluator who was appointed by a judge to determine if this person was criminally responsible at the time of the act, like their mental capacity and all of that. This was an independent person that came in and evaluated them. And she had statements that were favorable to the defense and to the state. And then she had some that were negative to both sides. And then the defense brought in this medical expert who, to me, appeared to be a complete quack. Like, he was like 79 years old, which is fine. But like, his claim to fame is what he did post-Vietnam at Fort Stewart Air or Base here in south georgia and you know things like that like a lot has changed he used the term retardation we don't even use that anymore it's not in any medical books um 
So, I mean, but that's what the, that's the evidence that the jurors are presented with. So you're asking jurors to rely on, I guess, to decipher if the medical professionals are quality. I don't know. I just, I think he's asking a lot of a juror and jurors aren't very wise. Look at them. I mean, they did right here, thank God, but they don't always. Well, this is true. Ashlyn Griffin's a great example. It's just, I mean, asking if someone, I mean, it's, it's basically, it, I guess what is what I came to the conclusion of is it's not whether a person is mentally insane or is mentally ill. It's whether 12 people think you might have been at that time. I mean, and that's, I guess that's what's kind of crazy. It's like all of our, we talk about beyond a reasonable doubt and this level of certainty and, and all these concrete terms when we talk about the legal system. And then when you come to this, it's like, do you believe that he was insane? That's, that's, what, it, that's what it comes down to. Well, yeah, if, if you're actually insane or if you're having a reaction to a substance. But do you believe that? Like, you're not a medical, you're not assessing anything. You don't know anything about the brain. You're just like, yeah, he seemed insane or he seemed sane. That's crazy. Like, this guy could have gotten <laughs> so off. To speak. Right. But this guy could have gotten off and gone to, you know, a facility where he could be out in 18 months because they were like, yeah, he seemed, he seemed nuts. I had a uh, psychology professor once say, if she killed anybody, she would strip naked and cover herself in the victim's blood and go running down the street with a knife in her hand saying, I did it, and, uh, and, and uh, set herself up for an insanity defense. Cause, you know, That's terrifying. Well, what she said was, the legal definition of insanity is what you don't think what you're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, you... Obviously, substances can't cannot do that. Even though you may be, you know, out of your mind, and you could be insane at that point. But if but if we open that door and say because he smoked spice or whatever the hell it's called, uh, and, that, and that that caused the reaction, then you have to dismiss every DUI case because obviously they're too messed up to know what they were doing is wrong. Yeah, I mean, so and if people don't know, because I did not know. Spices, bath salts, which if you've ever seen any of the videos online about people's behavior on bath salts, like it's, it's it, it, that's like the ones where they're like walking backwards and all their, their bodies like just figured and, and twisted about because they have like no feeling. And, but the problem with spice is like you could, you know, with spice, you could smoke it a week ago and then have effects later on, which is why you could be not in and out of a, a state of consciousness or, or right mindedness, but like you don't know how long those effects are going to affect you. And so that's one of the reasons that it's so dangerous, but it, it does make you completely off your rocker. Yeah. And that it's one of the things with, uh, uh, with drugs, every time they make something illegal, what comes out is way worse. I mean, Spice was supposed to, you know, pot being illegal and, and, and hard to get, Spice came in the market. Mm-hmm. And that's so much worse than pot. It is. And, you know, another thing they were talking about was how Spice can be purchased, different types of, you know, the bath salts can be purchased at convenience stores. Um, because the, it was funny because, like, for once – the the roles totally reversed. The defense attorney was like, you know, why didn't you, if you thought that my client was on this substance, why didn't you take out a search warrant and and search his car and his home for X, Y, and Z? And he was like, well, because I'm not sure I can get a search warrant for something that's not illegal to possess. And the defense attorney was like, oh. (laughs) Well, and they should be thanking the cops because, look, I mean, instead of tasing him or tackling him or taking they would have been justified in blowing his brains out as if he's well, standing over their, a fellow officer with a knife. So that did happen. So here's what happened. There was a, the deputy who watched it all from the corner of the house, watched this unfold and started running towards his sergeant. He saw it. Um, 
and he was they were what happened was when he got when the guy started sar- stabbing the sergeant he's such a big guy he basically like bear hugged him and took him down to the ground to try to use his weight as an advantage well that made it difficult obviously to fire a shot because you're talking about two men who are rolling around on the ground and you don't want to shoot your sergeant so he was trying to get the right angle and all of a sudden the guy reached up and grabbed the guy's the, the other deputy's gun and he was able to main he was able to regain control of his gun but the guy had dropped the magazine out of it so he only had one bullet well then he saw he got a clear shot and he he fired but they were tussling and so he missed well he didn't have any more bullets so he threw his gun as far away as he could and you know they're waiting for the other deputies to get there from around i mean this was all happening so fast but like this is i'm going i'm telling you based on the testimony but um at that point you know he was trying to get get the knife away from the guy and and grab a hand and you know just anything like anything at all and then the other guy that's why the the third deputy used his taser which didn't affect him at all which again speaks to the effects of spice because you don't really feel anything so it it was a terrible um a terrible situation and it's a it's a blessing that the sergeant is alive and that the rest of them weren't hurt too um and the family seems very angry about all of it. Like the grandmother and grandfather lied on the stand. They they told things that weren't they testified to things that weren't true and then they played back the tape, which was extremely awkward. Um but they did that and you know, they seem to be very angry about all of this happening, but I kind of maintain that they should be thankful that they even have a grandson to have on trial because like you said, I mean they could have just walked, like, started blasting him away, stabbed him nine times. Like, how many shots would be justified in return? All of them. <laughs> you know? Right. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there's, I'm sure Ben Crump would show up, but there's, it's hard to say it's not justified when, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a fellow deputy down being stabbed and you blow the guy's brains out. I mean, it, it seems right. justified to me. Right. Um. But it, luckily, you know, the system, I, I like, as much as I complain about the system not working, I like to be able to write about when it does, and I feel like it did work. In this case, Lord have mercy, it was slow. I mean, six years is, you know, it's it's not fair to somebody who is sitting in jail, even if they are guilty. I guess they're going to get credit for time served, but, like, it, it's not right, and it's not right for a victim. And, um, and look, six- after sitting in jail for six years... He may only have two to serve. No. He has attempted murder. Well. And ag assault. Two counts of ag assault, which is like up to 20 years, I think. I mean, well, what, that, that depends whether they, whether they sentence him uh, consecutively or concurrently. Well, let me just say, if they gave Ashlyn Griffin 15 for self-defense to teach her a lesson, they better... <clears throat> just, I'm yeah, just saying. He, he, he better come out as a, as a very old man. <laughs> Correct, if at all. Speaking of disgusting, at least 40 Georgia cases listed on Southern Baptist Convention's secret sex abuser database. Yeah, did you? Are you? Did you see this story before I put it on the outline, or had you heard about it? I had not. So I was. It caught my attention in a Google alert because it was the Baptist church. Usually this is the stuff we hear from the Catholic church. And, you know, I don't mean that offensively. I just mean that um, there's been so much scrutiny and, and I guess, lawsuits and everything else about the Catholic church and the the clergy that I was um, shocked that this was released about the Baptist church, first of all, and then also released by... Baptist church leaders, because the Southern Baptist Convention is basically like, I don't know, like a, it's like an organization where Baptist church leaders and pastors from around the region um, get together to talk about Baptist church stuff. So anyway, they 
they had this secret list of hundreds of pastors and other church-affiliated personnel who have been accused of or convicted of sexual abuse. And it has a 288-page report. Um, and it was not just Georgia. Um, but what the heck? How long have they had this is what I want to know. And why are they holding a secret? Yeah. And so... Yeah, at, least, it, at least it, the Catholic Church has... Uh, part of it is the, the sanctity of the confessional. So if these priests went in and, and confessed, nothing that they discussed in confession c- could be used. Per their doctrine. I, I, and of course, legally, if... If you start discussing things with a child, I mean, you're, you're a mandated reporter. So, on the actual document itself, and I'll link to it on the Facebook page and and everything. But it's a lot of a lot of it is redacted, but it 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 doesn't have a title. It just at the top says "highly confidential," released to Guidepost Solutions, Sunny Lee. February 28th, 2022. And then it says, this is a fluid working document produced by Redacted, which is not to be published. The information is largely pulled from news articles compiled from 2007 until 2022. It is incomplete. It has not been proofed. It has not been adequately researched. It is not Southern Baptist specific because it includes generally Baptist churches too. Um, and it says this table was created as a research tool to discover the scope of sexual abuse of children within the Southern Baptist Con- um, Convention, which was considered by the bylaws working group in 2007 and 2008. In June 2008, the executive committee presented its report, quote, responding to the evil of a sexual abuse. And after June 2008, only alleged and convicted names of abusers and tile- titles of articles were cataloged. Um, And then following the Houston Chronicle's release of its database in February 2019, it was determined that many of the articles on the table were dead, so they merged tables together and have not researched individual specifics outside of this document. And then the document has name, full name of abuser, year reported, and then any news articles and like a small summary, the state, and then the denomination. And again, it's 205 pages um, with with the, the database, and then I guess... There are 78, or no, 83 other pages of other documents. But um, I, don't, I don't know what I think about this. Obviously, you should know. I mean, but like, what, what are you trying to accomplish, I guess? Well, these people have been convicted. This isn't like the Catholic Church where they knew people were doing it and they didn't see anything. This is like stuff that they've gotten off of the Internet. It could be that this is a database to make sure that these, uh, these predators don't relocate within their footprint and then take up and become a youth pastor again or something like that. Well, and I would hope that that wouldn't happen anyway, but we all know how the loopholes in the court system and, and sex offender registries work. So, I mean, if that if that was the intention, that's great. You know, I understand you can't, you, you're trying to like have a running list of stuff, but why is a list of compiled documents that are public, that are based on public information considered confidential? And if this was something that you... I mean, a research tool to discover the scope of sexual abuse of children within the Southern Baptist Convention back in 2007. Well, there are a lot of reasons that it would be uh, confidential. Top of mind would be they don't want to bring bring heat upon themselves, but internally they, they want to know how this happened and what led to it. And how to stop it from happening in the future? If that again, if that's the goal, fine. It's just it's it's a very strange thing, and and whoever whoever leaked it obviously thought that that there was something more nefarious going on with it. 
or else it w- we w- it'd be confidential and we'd never see it. Well, it was released, though. This is what doesn't make sense to me. It was released by the Southern Baptist Convention church leaders. So they re- on Thursday, they released a list of hundreds of pastors and other church-affiliated personnel. Huh. I don't know. Uh, and uh, I- so, I guess, well, actually here, so in this article on WSB, it said that Guidepost Solutions... Um, released this 288-page report about churches ignoring claims of sexual abuse by ministers and church leaders and kept a database of alleged abusers. Um, And perhaps they wanted to show that maybe they didn't cover it up because these people were convicted. I don't know. But, I mean, as we know at the Catholic Church, like, just because somebody was later convicted doesn't mean there wasn't a cover-up along the way, you know? Yeah, uh, the Catholic Church, Church was accused of moving priests around, that there'd be right. uh, uh, ac- accusations and then all of a sudden he'd be transferred to Albuquerque or whatever and, and within the footprint. Uh, I, don't, I don't see anything in the article, and I'm certainly not accusing the Southern Baptist Con- Convention of attempting to do that. I prefer to think this was an a internal study on how we can recognize and prevent this in the future. You know, what, what were the signs? What were things that we missed in these cases where people were convicted? What were the signs that we missed? What do we need to be looking for? Yeah. I, I, and look, I, I, again, I, until, unless we, you know, we have somebody from the convention on the show, there's no way we can know for sure. But I, you know, and, and I know I'm not usually the guy to look at the rosy side of things. But I prefer to think that this is a internal study of how we can do things better to prevent this in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, as it pertains to Georgia, I think they said over 40 of the cases were from Georgia, but um, none of them were women. Which is interesting. Not. Like, well, I mean, there are women predators and, 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 but like, I don't know. Women, it's interesting that it like just crossed my mind. Women don't use the, the church as a pathway to seek out prey. No, they use the schools. Yeah. Um, I don't, female true pedophilia is much rarer than male pedophilia. And when I say yeah. pedophilia, I'm, I'm talking about true pedophilia. This is prepubescent is, is the d- definition of pedophilia. I'm not talking about a 20-year-old that finds a 16-year-old yeah, attractive. Uh, the, the whole pool boy thing or, hell, Garth Brooks wrote a song about working, uh, working a summer job at a, at a, uh, at a farm and, uh, and having an affair with the, with the lady that owned the farm. Uh, it, it's... That is, I think, more prevalent in females. I, I don't. Most guys I know aren't 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 sleeping with fifteen year old girls, and I don't. I'm not saying that, that there aren't guys that aren't attracted to them, but usually guys are like, "Oh hell no, let me see your ID." But there's there's a. Uh, I think that's more prevalent. But a, a true female pedophilia, the 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 broken brain that make, that 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 makes you want to abuse a, a child, I think is r- much rarer in, in women, at least from my observation. Right. You know, I, don't have any, I don't have any data to back that up, but you know, when we see these teachers get popped, it's not for abusing a sixth, a sixth grader, it's for quote-unquote abusing a 16-year-old. Right. And we wouldn't no, hear about I- it at all if those 16-year-olds could just be cool and keep their mouth shut about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dave. This is good. Hey, the best thing can happen to a young man has an older woman uh, uh, take him by the hand and teach him how things work. Mm-hmm. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. All right, primary rundown. What is the He's race you're happiest about? I am very excited for Colton Moore defeating Steve Henry in Jeff Mullis' district. 
because Steve Henry was Jeff Mullis's pick. Obviously, Colton challenged Jeff Mullis um, in 2020, and it kind of went to hell in a handbasket because that was the year that they pushed back the primary. They pushed back the legislative session so they couldn't raise money. And so as Colton was a state representative at the time, um, Jeff Moles couldn't raise money either, but Colton didn't have any in his bank account and Jeff Moles had hundreds of thousands. So, and obviously Jeff Moles retired. So um, I think it's fantastic. I love when incumbents try to handpick their successor and they, they fail. So I was very excited about Jeff Moles' continued failure. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Not to, not to spike the football or anything. You big loser. Such <laughs> a loser. Yeah. And what did Georgia Gunners have to say about it? Well, you know, I mean, if anyone's ever read, read Georgia Gun Owners correspondence, like it's not exactly... Like you talk about spiking the ball. I mean, they <laughs> the article starts out with kaboom. This is a big one. Everyone in GGO Nation knows the name Jeff Mullis. This bloated tyrant did his best to kill constitutional carry last session and said, screw you to voters who contacted him. Um, Mullis chose not to seek re-election this year and rumors are fl- flying as to why, but was retur- determined to retain control of his seat by appointing his own replacement in Stephen Henry. And then, you know, they go on and talk about the money and Colton Moore being a proud supporter of the Second Amendment and had been a constitutional carry advocate before. Um, And so and then, of course, they like take some credit for it. But they say late last night, gun owners in the district sent a message by electing Colton Moore to the Georgia State Senate in a stinging rebuke to Stephen Henry and Jeff Mullis. This was a major victory for the Second Amendment. Um, on behalf of the board, thank you for your support and generosity, blah, blah, blah. But And, God willing, we'll never have to mention his name on the show again. Jeff Mullis? Yep. I mean, he, he's done. He's out. Done. Well, yeah, but Go I away. mean, well, yeah, but I mean. I mean, maybe may make some reference to him, but. Yes, but he, yes. May he never oh. seek public office again. Go. Do whatever you do, you know, just go away. You know, uh, go do what every other former legislator does and sell a big contract with something to the state. Oh. Go be rich and happy. So Herschel is already under attack by Democrats. Boo. I mean, boo to him being the candidate, not. I mean, are we shocked that he got attacked? Like, I mean, they started the day after, they started Wednesday. Yeah, they didn't let it breathe at all. Uh, Herschel certainly wasn't my pick. Uh, not because I don't like him, not because I don't think he's a good guy, not that I don't think he couldn't grow into the role, but he carpetbagged here. And yes, I understand he's from Georgia. Yes, I understand he played for Georgia. But he moved from Texas to run for this spot because that's what Trump wanted. And I don't give a damn what Trump wants for the state of Georgia because he doesn't live here. Uh, and I said, I said a, a, quite a while ago, I mean, he's Herschel Dan Walker. He's going to win. You think? I'm not sure he will. It's, it's tough. Now, I will say that Warnock is running some really good commercials. He's running some really quality product out there. I don't like Warnock. Warnock is, is a gun-hating leftist that I have nothing in common with, but he is running some really good commercials about his response to, uh, to natural disasters and being there for the people. I mean, running some really good commercials. I mean, that's what... That's what I was... I think we talked about it on the show, but, you know, between... Ossoff and, and Warnock, obviously I voted for neither, but they both have a remarkable public relations campaign that goes well beyond election season, which is what crushed David Perdue is that, you know, for so long he didn't do anything and he didn't put anything out. He didn't really have a lot of connection with the public. And I, I've, I've talked about it on the show, the press releases that you get from Ossoff and Warnock are 
daily about what they're doing and they transcend it into how they're helping somebody. So, you know, awesome. Yeah, their, their constituent services seem to be, you know, on point. But it's uh, well beyond that. Like every bill they vote on, they craft a message to make it seem like they did work specific for this group of people when they really didn't have to do anything because somewhere, someone else, one of the other hundred and, or other 98 senators was coming up with some dumbassery for them to vote along with. But they, they, the way that they, and it's a Democrat way, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, we're giving you this, we're giving you that. That is, that is the that is the narrative, but it works. It does, and and they are doctoring the spin well. And like I said, they're putting out some quality product, and I Herschel doesn't have that for sure. But the the only thing that he's be able to run on is that he's Herschel Dan Walker. Well, it's, and I will say it will be nice that there's not going to be the racial element to it. At least we can leave that. That's the one thing we can leave on the doorstep. Yeah, and, and I hate that that's even a thing. And look, it, 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 it wasn't even... And, and, and I, I hate that that's even a thing. Look, Gary Black uh, had a chance up until the point where Herschel Walker got in. And that's not, not because Gary Black... Yeah, not, not that Black is, is awesome... It's just that he has a name. Everybody sees his name every time they pump fuel. He's he's got a recognizable name, and he could have turned that in, into. I don't think I don't know if he could have beat Warnock. He could. No way. Absolutely not. No. Mm-mm. So if you're if you're playing team politics, the uh, removing the the racial element and putting somebody up there that everybody likes. Nobody dislikes Herschel. You know. Except really can't. probably the woman he beat up. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he beat me up, that I'd probably hold a grudge too. But he he has a has a uh, awesome name. And look, more of that stuff's going to come out, and they're going to they're going to continue to hit him over and over again. This is not his arena, and I don't know how he's going to get away without doing a debate. Well, here's the thing, though. I don't know if you remember this, but Warnock was going through some sort of separation thing or do you remember oh, yeah. like right before where there was like some incident with the car where he like hit- he ran over her foot. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it will be hard for him to levy those uh, those attacks and stay clean. Little Teddy Kennedy's in the in the making over here. Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard for him to levy those attacks and stay clean. Uh, what does that Trump, say about the people we elevate? I mean, my God. Well, damn, Tubby T- Tommy Tupperville won in, in, uh, in Alabama. Not because he's a, a great statesman or has any experience, but because he's Tommy Tupperville and it was Alabama. And everybody knew his name because he, he coached at Auburn. I mean, can you imagine what Nick Saban could do? Oh, God. He'd be the second coming of Bear Bryant. I mean, if, if he wanted to run for governor, he'd have it. Because, because, of, because of his name. It, it, that's kind of where I am with Herschel Walker in Georgia. And look, I'm not a Georgia fan. I have, I'm the complete opposite. I'm a Gator. Uh, but, you know, there's almost nobody you can walk up to in Georgia and ask them who's Herschel Walker, and they can't tell you. Mm-hmm. You don't even call. You don't even follow uh, football, and you you knew before he even got in the race. You knew exactly who the hell he was or is. Well, I'm not an idiot. I'm not saying you're an idiot. I mean, I'm saying that it's just not. It's just this, that's not your arena, quite literally. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's. But there's there's nobody, even non-football fans, who don't know his name. And even ones who don't follow football know his name and may not know why. But yeah, Herschel Walker, yeah, yeah, I, I know his name. And Warnock didn't have that when he ran for office. Those of us in the know knew who he was and being an anti-gunner and running gun buybacks and stuff like that. But 
he he didn't have he 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 still doesn't have that. People still, I mean, a lot of people don't know who their senators are. If you say Warnock, who? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's senator. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, what about the gubernatorial race? Talk about an old-fashioned country-ass whooping. Oh, it was so wonderful. It was like, you know, because little David was like, I guarantee you it's not going to be, we're not, we might lose, but it's not going to be by 30 points. No, dog, it was 52. Oh, uh, it was a, it just, Kemp took him behind the woodshed and just whooped him. What, what what did Kemp end up with? Seventy three percent. Yeah, something like Which, that. And I mean, here's the thing: like we've talked about it on the show. There are things that I disagree with that Kemp has done, but and I did not support the things that he did with COVID. I don't support those actions, but I also see how things went relatively, and I know that Kemp is responsible for reopening the freaking nation, and. Kemp did not do anything to justify people not reelecting him based on, or at least as the nominee. Like, if he doesn't align with your values because you are, you know, not a Republican, then by all means, don't vote for him. Or if you have a particular issue that is important to you that is like your ride or die issue and he's not there, I get it. But generally speaking, please tell me what Brian Kemp did that to not earn our votes. Yeah, what and the only thing that, that people have is that he didn't call a special session of the legislature and throw out the popular vote. No, so, no, no. What they have is that he didn't violate the state constitution. Right. And that's what they wanted. That's exactly what was, they wanted. It was a... It was brutal. Yeah, so once again... Donald Trump's uh, coattails shrink. In fact, I think Trump even pulled out of the uh, pulled out uh, uh, of the Purdue thing a couple weeks before that. Purdue was out of money; he wasn't getting the donors. Uh, it was a it was a slow death for him. Not but enough. last Tuesday, it was rather quick. And that race was yeah. Called. It was I, like I, look, I, I was wrong. I said those those polls would tighten up. And it, it, you know, it, it'd be called before midnight, but it'd probably be ten, eleven o'clock at night before they called it. Uh-uh. He conceded at like eight thirty. Yeah, it was done and done early. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was. It was. Just, it was I was. I was expecting fifty-five. I was not expecting seventy-three. Seventy-three is. I mean, is a mandate. That's more than that's better than Nathan Deal did in um, 2014 against David Pennington, and people did not like Nathan Deal. Yeah, I mean it. It, it we had huge turnout and overwhelmingly voted for Kemp. I, I, I good for him because you just don't you just don't see those numbers in elections. I'm I also Stacey, glad because go ahead. I was say I think Stacy may be a little worried. Because that, well, that, about, that's a big number. That was my point. Was I, I think it was a good, strong showing for Kemp going towards um, November. Because I think, I think a lot of people were anticipating Kemp having to fight a little bit harder. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he did fight. I think he did do, some, he did do the work. And he's been busy yeah, dishing out state dollars to... To buy votes and um, and other things, but it wasn't as hard, and it, it was a clear, it was overwhelming, and I don't think I don't think the, the Democrats anticipated that either. Well, a couple of things are going to be going against Stacey in uh, in November, uh, not the least of which is Biden and the economy. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for any any high profile Democrat to. To, to distance themselves enough from what's going on nationally, uh, we're we're looking at a recession starting maybe in September, October, uh, just just in time for the midterms. Uh, there's so much right now that that's going wrong on the national stage that, that I I have a hard time believing it's not going to bleed over into state races. Mm -hmm. Republicans are going to show up in force. 
and those those soccer moms that that voted for Biden because they didn't like the way Trump talked or tweeted or anything else. I think those folks are sheepishly going to go back and try to fix what they did. Because <clears throat> well, when you're paying late for that, but you can do well, it is. But when you, when you're paying five dollars a gallon to get to the polls, that'll be lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, I also don't. I, I, we did see that Kemp extended the uh, the the gas uh, tax holiday. I think he will end up. He's he's he'll keep. I think he'll keep kicking that kicking that can down the road uh, up and through November. I think he'll end up. Uh, he has up with to. A, yeah, I think we'll end up with a, t- a, t- a gas tax holiday through uh, uh, through the beginning of the year. Would be would be my guess. Uh, look, I, I didn't like the state shutting down at all, but at, at, at least we were uh, uh, of the first to get the hell out of it. Okay, this is enough. We're done. It's not going away. Open it up back up. But in the gubernatorial race, we have sweet Candace Taylor. Close her heart. Three percent? Just over. She's crying foul. She is. She is. Um, she so one of the things that she's I guess somebody, one of her supporters got some of the from one county from Cherokee County. They went and got the um, early voting numbers. And I guess she was like on a surge in early voting and then her numbers dropped off where everyone else stayed consistent. And so they're crying foul saying that, you know, it was rigged because they, I guess they knew Candace was like on the up, but they don't open the ballots. Look, if you lose, look, what what happened in 2020, you and I recorded uh, right after, uh, the the votes were totaled with uh, with Trump, and we said, you know, it sure is funny that I, I went to bed at eleven thirty midnight, whatever it was, and Trump was you know overwhelmingly in the lead, and I wake up and he's lost, and we're talking about you know fractions of one percent. She didn't lose by a fraction of a percent. She 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 lost by forty seven percent. If she would have yeah. to have, have to pull forty seven percent to 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 be the nominee, and look, she is a clown at this point. I wasn't a fan of the of the little commercial she ran on Facebook where she's wearing boxing gloves. I'm a, God made me a fighter. Sit down, sweetheart. Sit down. Yeah, she. You know she's she's claimed the tough Southern Belle part. But I mean, David Perdue conceded, and sometimes you just have to acknowledge that the race did not go your way, and you have to bow out with grace. She's not really doing that. You know, she's been on Twitter talking about how, you know, I guess, like, the projected numbers, or, um, excuse me, not the projected numbers, the lieutenant governor's race was... um not determined because of it was so um burt jones was so close to the 50 percent mark that they weren't sure if there was going to be a runoff and so it was one of those things where they literally had to count every outstanding ballot to make sure that he maintained that lead and so his his percentage over 50 percent did decline which would make sense because not every absentee ballot that they um, count or that came from overseas or whatever is going to be for him, right? I mean, if if you're not cheating, it's going. There's going to be ballots for everybody in that race. And she's like, I just, you know, I think it's funny that these numbers are going down, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it continues to be the case, and um, and that you know, there's a runoff so that Butch Miller will win, keeping those good old boys together. And then, like the next morning, they're like, "Hey, by the way, we're done counting. Um, Burt Jones is still over fifty percent plus one, so he is the nominee." Like, she's just grasping. She is being a brat. She's being an absolute brat. Look, and look, Kemp doesn't need her to concede. No, but and, that's and, the and her, that's and the her followers. Thing to do. It is. It's congratulate him. Say. You know, as as Republican, I'll, I'll of course support you because we have to stop Stacey Abrams. Blah blah blah. You know all the things that you're supposed to say when you lose. But 
for her, for her people, I've, I've seen them stomping up and down, say we need to have closed primaries where you have to, you have to, uh, join a party, uh, accusing Stacey Abrams of sending people to vote on the Republican side to take her out. Uh, she tweeted something about Trump getting trumped, a couple other things, anti-Trump, and she pulled those down. Look, this is this is a woman who didn't know we had a Georgia Defense Force when, when Florida was starting was starting up their thing. There's a lot of things that she would just she would just she would just say stuff and like Candace. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Uh, something about taking down the guideposts or something. I just she she started really going off the deep end with dem- uh, sacrificing babies and demonic stuff, and she really just. I, I don't. She really went off the rails. She did, and um, you know the only thing that you can say is, like, it, at least she really believes it. I mean, at least she was like that's that's really the the only positive you can walk away with is, well, she believes those things, and so, you know, at least she went down fighting for what she believes. Yeah, she'll have to go back to that six-figure income as a guidance counselor in whatever county she's to end down there. Appling, a federally funded. Right. Probably making four times what the average person makes down there as a guidance counselor. What's the school system? Uh, I don't even know how, how you go and be a guidance counselor. Because how, how do you sit down with the kid and go, you could be anything you want to be? Um, well, Miss Taylor, you couldn't. What? I was that kind of kid too. I just, I just said that. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like you shouldn't. You shouldn't tell people they want to be anything they want to be. You should say you have the opportunity to be anything you want to be. Yeah, I mean, look, look at me. You have the opportunity to spend other people's money and drive drive around the state and fly around the country. She did do a lot of um, bus touring and things of that nature over the last. Two years, honestly. I saw the pictures of her rally. I think it was at Governor's Gun Club, uh, and they tried to they tried to make it look like she's talking to a crowd, but there were like six people there. Mm-hmm. I mean, look when you show when you show up, you have to you have to go ahead and do it because you said you were gonna you said you were gonna be there. In the case of you know Governor's Gun Club, you you know, your campaign rented that space. To go and do it. It wasn't that governors was endorsing her, it's just they let her use their event yeah. space. And like six people are there. Like you have to go ahead and talk. So I, you know, there's there's a uh, there's a Motley Crue song that says, "Don't go away, mad. Just go away. Mm-hmm. Just go away." She was unqualified. She, uh, I don't know if she just loves the attention. If she just loves having her face out there, but look, she never raised she never raised enough money to run TV ads. All she had was Facebook and Twitter. And look, pulling three percent in a statewide race on on Facebook and Twitter—that's, I mean, that's not bad. But no one ever took you seriously with that that stupid boxing thing that that you ran. I mean, it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, she sit there hit, hitting the hitting the heavy bag. Like, Sorry. Kim and she's punching the back. I'm like, just and then she's got this, you know, serious look on her face, the towel over her and 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 all. I'm like, just stop. Just stop. I, I you know, that's it's it's even more cringeworthy than seeing Purdue in a Canadian tuxedo walking around. It's just cringeworthy. And you mentioned the lieutenant governor's race was not officially called until Friday. Yeah. Uh um. We, old friend Vernon Jones is in a runoff. Yeah, I was wrong about that. I really thought that voters were smarter than that, but alas, no. Uh, that's just... And, and for him to call anybody a rhino, it was like he was a Democrat five minutes ago. Uh, I thought this was heading to a runoff. Secretary of State... I mean, I it was. I it think was, a lot. I think a lot of people were shocked that Raffensperger pulled it off. I was, and I think I said it said it last week that that eye is very is very powerful. I guess, 
But the, I mean, the, the average person doesn't know what the Secretary of State does. Number one, number two, they're not plugged in to to really what went on and what his actual. I have bigger problems with Raffensperger than I have with Kemp over the 2020 election, and that has to do with the controlling the machines, memory cards, and all that stuff. So I, I that I can hang on on uh, Raffensperger that you know you can't really hang on Kemp because he that's you know, on him. And I really thought that was going to to a runoff. I mean, I did my part. I, I sure as hell did not vote for Raffensperger. Uh, I, I just, I, amazing to me, amazing that that. What did he, he ended up with? Like fifty one percent, just outside the recount. I mean, he, he barely dodged it, and he certainly does not have a mandate that, that you know, he, he could lose that race. Unless people just go in and start voting R's, he could lose that race. Oh, wow. And people, well, can, of course, can vote for Ted Metz in that race. Mm-hmm. Ted's not going to win. But I, I think he may he may he may pull some pull some votes just at, just out of protest. Well, I mean, I won't. I'm not voting for. I would never vote for. Raffensburg, yeah, never. All right, so we have the dumbasses in Polk County and part of Paulding County. Yeah, Good what God. the heck? Again, the eye is the eye is powerful, and having a a recognizable name. Look. He was Trey savaged. Kelly. Just what? Yeah, Trey Kelly. Sorry. Yeah. What the hell do you have to do to lose an election? I guess it's true that the only things that will do it are what, like a a live boy or a dead girl. And yep. here it was a dead guy, so it wasn't didn't quite meet that threshold. Yeah, it, it, it was a dead guy and a, and a live girl. Mm-hmm. What? What? God, or or girls? Down. I should say. <laughs> I should say. Because, uh, yeah, he certainly spread the love ar- around the Capitol. What the hell's matter with people? I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I assume it's just... They're just voting off of signs. These are people that are totally disengaged. Uh, there's just no way that anybody could look at the body of work from Trey Kelly and go, Oh, yeah, yeah, he's the guy for us. Right. Like, oh, this isn't terrible. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, I, I kind of excused the uh, the folks of Polk County in 2020 because that story really didn't get legs because of COVID. That's right. And he had a pretty pretty weak opponent. Uh, I, th- I think that the story really started started gaining uh, uh, any sort of notice after uh, qualifying. So I think he had a he had a, very, a pretty weak opponent opponent this time. Uh, or that time, this time he had a he had a pretty he had a pretty decent opponent, and still, I mean, his race was called fairly early. I mean, he easily won. I mean, I, I think some of the, some of his verbiage on his on his state house page. But thank you to the voters of Polk and Paulding County for placing your trust in me once again. Well, how'd that work out for your wife? Yeah, she got burned. Multiple times. I don't even know that he lives in Polk County anymore. I mean, uh, his official residence is probably still where where his wife is. But uh, I mean, he's been last I saw. I mean, he's been paying his campaign funds have been paying for an apartment in um, Atlanta twelve months out of the year. I guarantee you that's where he's living. Uh, I mean. He just disappointment. He should have been canned. Of course, he should have been canned. Uh, it, it, if he had the smallest amount of shame, he would have run for re-election. He already had to step down from leadership. Well, I think that speaks to his character more than anything. Like, get your life together, bro. Grow up. I mean, you're, you're an attorney. You're you're in a you're at, at a law firm. Just walk away. 
get out of the public light, go, go, go live your best life, uh, finish up. Look, from what I understand, her legal team is getting ready to depose members of the General Assembly. And those are those are the whispers that I that I hear that they're going to depose members of the General Assembly, and the first one first one on my list would be David David Ralston because didn't he give the the mistress a, a job in his office? Like, uh, no, she that's where she worked, and now she is at uh, she's at another state agency. She made a lot so, of move. We need to move you away from him, please. You think her toothbrush is over in that apartment that his campaign's paying for? No, because she <laughs> lost her job and had to get divorced over it. I don't think so. Well, he didn't lose his job and he's getting divorced over it. Yeah, but I think she's Yeah, it was, it was her husband that found out and made the phone call, wasn't it? I believe as so. the, as the As the rumor goes, again, these are our opinions... The, the the whispers are that her husband was the one that found out and made the allegedly. phone call. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly. And, and that's how, was it Amy, his, his soon-to-be ex-wife? Yeah. He just, he just, he's just a jackass. Got, you know, he's putting pictures up with the uh, NRA uh, A-plus rating and him with a, with a shotgun on his shoulder and, and, and all the, all, uh, just, he's just a turd. It's a turd of a human being, which makes him perfect for, pol- for politics, I guess. Jess, you have any closing thoughts? Um, I mean, you have a, a lengthy one, so I'll just make mine short. But I was just really disappointed to see the news articles about um, Daniel Defense, which is a gun manufacturer down here in southeast Georgia, very well respected, does a lot for the community, um, gives back a lot, supports law enforcement immensely. And um, the headlines this week were that they were the makers of the gun used in the tragic elementary school shooting that we saw on Tuesday. Um, I don't, you know, we don't, yes, we ask where guns came from when these types of things happen. Um, But I don't recall, you know, when some gangster shoots up, you know, a community and, and fires a shot through a window and hits a young child, we don't ask where that gun was made. Um, and I thought that it was just really tacky on the part of the media. It was almost disturbing. Yeah, that's their, that's their game plan though. They, they went after Bushmaster after what's a Sandy hook. Uh, Daniel defense has a huge facility down there. I, I've passed it mm-hmm. going to Savannah giant facility down there and, and they and they build a quality firearm and they're like a mom and pop business that started in a garage with a single part um right and it and it it is the american dream truly in in every sense of the word and how they build that business from the ground up and um as if they had any type of role in what happened at all it's just sick they didn't even sell it to them Went to the, no, that's my point. They didn't even mention the retailer that he bought it from. Right. But somehow it's it's Daniel Defense. You know, it's DD did it. Also, the meme going around that uh, he had two Daniel Defense rifles worth $5,000 a piece. I'm like, uh, no. Not quite. No, no, no. Even in inflation, they're worth about 1500 bucks. Right. Uh, anybody who listens to Surf and Turf, uh, Matt Lowe is my partner on, on, uh, on that show, uh, would have heard that Matt's grandfather, uh, 98, soon to be 99 years old, passed last week. Uh, World War II veteran, born in 1923. If you can imagine all the things that, wow. he, that he saw. Uh, he grew up without electricity, having a hand pump uh, for water. Uh, got Matt into to hunting and fishing. You know, Matt said his, his earliest memory was standing. Uh, there was a lake on the property. Uh, that his grandfather owned, uh, sta- standing there ca- catching brim with his grandfather. Uh, he will be laid to rest as the show drops today, um, Memorial Day. And it's a good, good time to remember that, that it is Memorial Day. Uh, one, of the, one of the 
Matt and his uh, second to youngest child, Ava, was was in the room. And Ava's seven, and she was holding uh, uh, his hand w- when he went. Uh, so they did all the the phone calls, rec- the, the the things that you have to do when this happens. Uh, and they they prepared Ava and explained to him that you know when you die, the angels come and take your soul, and and you go and you're with all your loved ones that that have passed before you. And they're driving home, and Matt says, "Well, I'm sure that Pop, with what uh, what she called him, is dancing with Grandma now, because she she passed some years ago. They were married for sixty nine years." And she goes, I don't think that's what he's doing. What? Of course, he, he, they love to dance, and, and he's missed her for, for a long time. And I'm sure they're dancing. no, that's not what they're doing. Goes, what are they doing? She goes, they're having sex. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Only a low child. <laughs> but the, the, first of all, that a seven-year-old even, even knows what that is is, is is amazing to me. But that that and that's one of those things that that children are a blessing when they they lighten the mood with stuff like that. And she was being serious. Oh sure. But you know, certainly keep keep Matt and his family uh, in your prayers. Uh, he was nine. He was ninety eight, going to ninety nine. He was ready to go. Uh, and he even said as much the, the week before after after he broke his hip is that you know he was he was he was ready. But it's 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 always it's it's always hard, and I'm sure Memorial Day for for his entire family will will take on you know kind of a, an additional meaning for him as, as the day that they that they put you know Pop to uh, to rest. So sorry to end with with uh, dreary, dreary news. I, I have a bad habit of, of ending the show on that. So, for Jessica Salaji, my partner in this endeavor, for Eric Cumby, our editor who takes the awful audio that I send him and turns it into something that you can actually listen to, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Oh, I've been running from the law. Hope they won't shoot me down soon. Catch me howling at the moon